Welcome to Do A Blessing CNS Church London's podcast, sharing the good news weekly. We hope you are blessed by today's message. That you would fill your temple again. Perhaps that your grace would, would, would guide us in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Amen. Um, we thank God for what God is doing in our lives. We thank Him for His grace. We thank God um, that He will continually you know, honor His word in our lives. Uh, we started off last week with issues of the heart. Issues of the heart. I had intended earlier as I was preparing even last week to come to a particular junction this this Sunday. But really for Monday, God has been directing me in a, a different way. And you know, you would you would be able to sum everything up by by the time we go through it and you would see what um, what anti um, he was talking about about a, a vision that God gave her when she was praying, and even though like you know we don't really coordinate things, the opening hymn of the um, or the songs at the beginning was talking about um, that that when I am about to give my account. When I'm about to give my account, what the only kilau will kilau so nimbati bababakbiwa. So all these things are coming together, but as we as we look really closely at the matters of the heart, the issues of the heart. Let's go on, please. You know, um, there is a man in scripture that we would read which is Isaiah. Isaiah would normally, you know, he's a prophet of God, and when he's talking, as God begins to speak through him, Isaiah, when you read through the scriptures about Isaiah, you will see him always use this word, woe unto you. Woe unto you. He said, he said, he said in Isaiah chapter 1 verse 4, he says, woe unto the sinful nation. A great people whose Sorry, a people whose guilt is great. Brood of evil doers, children given to corruption. They are forsaking God. And all and all like that. So, Isaiah was given a prophecy speaking to this nation that they are sinful woe be on them and things like that. Then when you go again, just a little bit down again, in Isaiah chapter 3, the Bible says that it says, Isaiah chapter 3 verse um, 8 to 9 said, Jerusalem staggered and Judah is fallen. Their words and their deeds are against God defying his glorious presence. Then the Bible says that they look you look down on their, on, on their faces and testify against them. And when you go on to verse 9, it says, Woe to them. So basically, Isaiah was talking against the corruption in the land. And each time, as people were taking their back away from God, and Isaiah would say, Woe to that land. Woe to the people. So he would say from Isaiah 1, chapter 3 also, and, you know, even in verse 8, sorry, chapter 5, verse 8, Isaiah chapter 5, verse, I'm just taking you through the scriptures of Isaiah, you know, he, came, he said, woe to you, and they had, and, and had, had, who had house to house, joined field to field, no space left, and, and, and things like that. Basically, Isaiah was telling them that they are woe because they until when Isaiah now had the encounter with God in Isaiah chapter 6 
And Isaiah went, we read from verse 3. The Bible says that, and they were calling one, one, one to another, Holy, Holy Lord God Almighty, the whole earth is filled with your glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold, threshold, uh, threshold holds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Then Isaiah now came to verse 5 and said, Woe is me. This is the man that has been shouting, Woe, 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 until when he encountered God and he stood before the throne of God. Isaiah now turned that woe. He was talking about everybody to himself. The question is that. How come Isaiah was going through chapter 1, chapter 3, chapter 5, declaring war to the land, war to the people, and he did not know until when he stood before God and discovered that war to me. He said, war to me, I cry, I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips. If Isaiah had stopped there, he would have been okay. But Isaiah now went on and said, And I live among people of unclean lips. What Isaiah was saying is that I thought my standard was okay because that the environment I am living has formed what I think is right. So, if I am just lying once a while, and I am filled by an environment of people who are liars, I think that I am okay. Until when I appear before God, and discover that that thing that I have been saying, oh, you should repent, I think that mine is still okay because my righteousness is weighed not against the standard of God but against my environment. So he said, woe is me, I am ruined. He said, I have, I'm, I'm a man of unclean but the problem is not that I have a man of, I'm a man of unclean alone, but my environment is dictating to me what righteousness is like. Does that make sense? So the confidence that Isaiah was able to keep dishing out war from chapter 1 is because that the measure of righteousness had nothing to do with God. It was about what he thought was okay. Or what the environment is called. So one of the things that the devil does is that he tries to corrupt the environment more and more so that your you and my level of righteousness or the sign of righteousness will become lower and lower and lower. Is that how you know? Uh, oh, that's, 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 um, uh, you know, somebody was talking to me about the pastor. And the person felt bad, you know, they were, according to them, they were in tears. What happened was that They've been following this pastor, they've been listening to him. The pastor speaks so much, or that man of God speaks against pastors that are raising money, collecting money, and things like that. And because of that, she said, Ah, this man is a man of God. What has brought about that conclusion? Because the world has come to a point whereby, you know, there are people who are abusing the authority collecting money. Now, because you see one that doesn't collect money, the natural conclusion is that, ah, that one is right. But that standard had nothing to do with God. But that standard has been formed. Until one day they were doing a service and saw the man say that he's transferring God's grace and anointing and put water in his own mouth and told his member to open their mouth and look. <laughs> so she couldn't hold it. She started crying and she called me. She said, ah, 
I have held this man so much in high regard because he doesn't talk about money. And you know, the problem is that the basis of that agreement of who a man of God is. And that is what the devil is doing. He will give you some extremes. By the time you want to form what you think is right, you'll be forming it based on extremity. He was just able to introduce the public. But because your guarantee has been, ah, that man, oh, he has never asked me for money before. So the devil will not bring one that doesn't ask for money. Say, ah, yes, this one is good. And that is what is happening in the body of Christ. You have people that you know people who say, ah, this person is great. And you are asking them, what is your parameters for that? The parameters has nothing to do with Christ or scripture. It is because, yeah, this one doesn't like, ah, this one has not slept with any, it doesn't sleep with girls. You know, this pastor doesn't sleep with girls. This pastor is, you know, he doesn't, I've never caught him, um, taking people's money and things like that. But he can be dishing out poison from the pulpits. And we take that one as, ah, that one is correct. What, what came to that conclusion? Because we've seen so many pastors that are sleeping with men, so many pastors that are, that are doing this and say, ah, you know, all those ones are, and the, and the church, so the body of Christ doesn't know, the devil is also creating another version. That they are not doing all of those things, so you will run to them and say, ah, yes, this one is great. Until you get to the throne of God, and God said, I don't know where you got that understanding of who a man of God is or who a man of God is not. This also applies to us as Christians. I don't know, me, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't smoke hair. I just, you know, this is moderate style of living. It's okay. I'm okay, you know, we just, we just, we know that we are in love with one another so we can sleep with one another. You know, it's not, it's not, I'm not fornicating. Where did that standard of truth come from? Where I'm just trying to confess. See, there are so many things that we call truth. It's not the truth. It is good because it makes it is compared to other standard. It's right. So, whereas the Bible would say, examine the teaching of somebody who calls himself, examine it, measure it against scripture, and will obviously measure their character also. But what I'm trying to say is that there are, the devil is packaging things. Even Christians that are genuine Christians, and you know, it, it, at times, you know, I'm, I'm also including myself in that, you know, you think that you are, what you are doing is right because you think that. Please, can I first of all say that all this issue about, you know, I'm not sorry, that's wrong way to put it. It is right what, she, what God has spoken through her, but interpretation of people is what I'm talking about. When people say that, ah, there are some people who think they are righteous. That God will reject and things like that, which is right if you are not careful about your faith. But you know what God will do? You will not go and pick a sinner and all this. You know, people talking about ah, those who think that they are righteous, they think that they are okay. You know, ah, God would. You never know that what God will take. You will now go. Ah, that's not. That's not the standard. There's some people who say. Some people who say. My, my one of my dad says, yeah. God will see to the next step that God will be so angry with us that when we get to hell, He will throw us like this and throw us, He will throw us with all His might and we will, we will jump over hell and hand in heaven. And I told and people genuinely believe that they live their life in that way. And I'm telling you the truth because I knew you know that they were that. You say, we would. There's no point in sinning small. You sin hard. That's why when God sees you like this, with that hunger, he will just kick and 
by the time you you hand, you just fly through hell and hand in heaven. God help us with this. Like, where did those people come about those 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 philosophy? So the question is that. Isaiah thought he was okay, but Isaiah did not know that his, his, his view about godliness, about righteousness, has been influenced by his environment. So, you know, when you, are, when you have other people that don't believe in God, because you listen to Christian tape or Christian audio song, you feel that, ah, my own Christian work is great, compared to what? In Nigeria, I don't see that on campus. Sunday morning like this, if you ever live in Tom's campus, it's always Christian song. Christian song from morning to afternoon. After 12, whenever he has come out from church, it's now the next Sunday. God, grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. It's as if it's so bad in Nigeria, that even radio stations. Sunday morning, they play Christian song. So by the time everybody comes out from church, we go back to every other thing. So is the issue was that, and this is where the issues of the heart comes into place. The environment was already seeping into his heart. Isaiah did not know. So his standard of what is righteous began to, was clouded and he began to say, you know, I am, I am good. Isaiah did not stand before God thinking that he had it all. He genuinely thought everything was okay. It was not a question of pride. And when he was saying woe to the land from, um, from chapter 1, he was talking as God had directed him. So it wasn't, it wasn't that he was, he was boasting or looking down on people but until when God now appeared to him in person, Isaiah now discovered that the parameters of what he thought was right was actually wrong. And we have those kind of teachings in the body of Christ where people are teaching things that are anti-scriptural. It sounds right, but it's anti-scriptural. Look into yourself and believe in yourself. It sounds great, but it's not scripture. Scripture is dying to yourself. Rest on God. That's why the Bible says, I can do all things. Not because I have something, but because Christ. But when I, if you can package it as, you know, I, you know believe in yourself. Self-belief and these are things like that you will end up, you know, you end up on the other side. It took certain people, you feel like it's, it's the same. It's not. It's not. So we know the Bible, that's what the Bible tells us that said in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20, said, Guard your hearts with all the with all the riches. So guard your heart above all this, for it determines the course of your life. And the Fletcher says, he says that he says that he said, let me make the song of a nation. I don't care who makes his laws. Because the songs will find their way to the hearts. And the heart is what would, would determine what the nation becomes. Those who study law in Nigeria will tell you that Nigeria is one of the countries that has the most laws in Nigeria. You'll be shocked at the laws that you find in Nigeria. But those laws. It is only it is when you do something to somebody that you don't have power to then you appear, you now know there's no energy. It's just that there are laws, but those laws are just when they do it, it is made for people who don't have people and you don't have uh, that's when the law will come into place. You know, the, so you know he said, and that is just See, there's this scripture that normally then gets my attention. 
Let's go on, please. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 32 to 34. It says, Do not be misled. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And the Bible says that, and when the Bible says do not be misled, that means you can't be misled. It now said, come back to your senses as you ought to, as, as, as you ought. Stop sinning. Therefore, you for, for there are some of you who are ignorant of God. It was talking about Christians. Let's go to number five, please. Or when you are the KJ process, they do not be deceived. That means you can be deceived. By thinking, ah, you know, I, 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 I know myself. The Bible says, do not be deceived. It said, bad companies will corrupt good manners. Bad company will corrupt good manners. So, it is important that it is not... So when we begin to look at things in um, Matthew chapter 9, when the Bible talks about that... Um, the Bible talks about that... Um, Matthew chapter 9, please. It, it talks about that putting a, a new wine in an old skin. The problem is not the wine. The problem is that if, if the skin is not revamped, or the skin is new, when the wine comes into the place, it will tear things, it will be more dis destructive. If you have a man who, who has not, who has not, whose heart is not recreated, if they pour the Holy Spirit upon that man, it will lead to arrogance. You will say, I, is this person, is this person, I thought that God called this person. No, the problem is that the new wine has been poured, but the heart is still whole. So rather than being a prophet, it begins to destroy them. Have you ever had somebody who would, who would well, I've seen it a couple of times when a man of God is, is at times, at times that people go by, you know, I've heard stories about men of God who sleep with ladies, and some of them have now come to a point where they sleep with ladies before they go to pulpits to go and preach and things like that. People have the identity that some of them are using for diabolical stuff, but some are not. They just fall into the path of, they will not see that the more you are committing that sin, the more the anointing begins to grow. But what will happen is that at a time, it will destroy the world. So people say, ah. You see, you know, I used to say this where for the last day, I had a, a, a disagreement and and, um, and and we we went for a, a program. We couldn't talk about going for a program and you know, and I went for that minister in that, at that event and the power of God really moved. So um, we got home very late, so we were supposed to come to church the next morning. So we, we went to bed, I went to walk and said, can, can we just quickly talk about it? I said, ah, no, 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 just go to church. He said, God is on your side, I see. <laughs> you went to a place, you ministered the day before, and you know, the whole place, God took charge of the whole place and things like that. And I said, me, I cannot be deceived with all those kind of things. Cannot be deceived, all these kind of things. It's not, it's not, God is not. If you think that the problem that people think that when you are raising up your hands, you are healing the sick, God is confirming. No, God does not confirm people, He confirms His word. If you are in line with His word, it happens. If you are not, that is why you will see people who will say that we casted out demons in your name. I mean, the answer was that you workers of iniquity. Why were they able to cast them? Because God was not interested in them. He was confirming his word. So, you know, because, because you know, it's been something that God has taught me a while ago when I did something that was wrong. I, I was just saying with them, something that was wrong. And 
and I went to minister. And when I came out, and the whole place, all glory to God, the whole place kind of just lit up at the time during my ministration. And, and so when I go home, I just say, God, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I'll never forget that statement. And he guided me even to when I got go back. He said, if you think that what happened today is an approval of who you are or what you have done, then you're on your way to hell. So since then, all the, you know, ah, people are falling on that, right? <laughs> so I know, I, God is, see, we have special grace. They've just finished your flats in hell. If that is, <laughs> if they're just looking for a window to get that person comfortable. So some of them, they fall into that thing to the extent that by which when they are doing something wrong, the ministry is going, anointing is, is reaching the peak. And they, they think that, yes, you know, no, nothing. Then that's why we see people start talking about we have this kind of grace with God. We have this kind of grace with God. So the Bible says that, it said, because if the heart is not changed, if that carrier of the of the of the oil, the, sorry, the, the, the wine, the wine carrier, if you don't change it, if you pour something in it, see, when you pour a new wine in an old skin, the problem is that the the new wine goes into the skin, it stays calm. But over the time the the the, the, the wine begins to ferment and begins to brew. Then the more it brews, what will happen is that that old skin cannot expand. So we'll get to a point where that one has reached its elasticity, but the new wine is still trying to stretch. By the time it wants to stretch, it will just close them in. So in the first instance, it will look okay. Until when you begin to leave it overnight, then you begin to discover that the battle now begins. The battle now begins. So what Jesus was saying is that you need a new wine skin. Don't focus on the anointing. I tell you, people are so focused on the anointing. How oh, God is going to anoint me. Oh, God says, God. see, if God says, well, he would. What he needs you to focus on is the container that would house the anointing. So we read uh, Ezekiel chapter 36 from verse 25. It says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will clean you from all your impurities and from all your idols. Then I said, I will give you a new act and put a new spirit in you. So the heart, first of all, had to come to be renewed for the spirit to be able to and I will remove the, your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Let's read it. He said, and I will put my spirit in you. So the order, what God said, let's sort out this container. Let's sort out this heart before we begin to pour things in it. That is why if you have a child that God has been using since childhood, it is important that the parent is more concerned about the molding of that child or else. By the time the child gets hold, you will have somebody who will be giving prophecy while they are going out starving. Ah, boys, let's go out today. The police are going to catch us. That gift is now used for um, the time. Let's go. So when the police nearly catch them, let's go and ask um, this person. He will tell us whether to go or not. My mind is telling me that guy is there. Maybe they are looking for a guy who can be but that guy is there. And they find him, and they find him there. The problem is that the gift is sitting in a wrong container. And by the time the whole thing matures, they're just going to explode. 
But people will say, ah, you know, ah, you see, tell me that there's no way God cannot use it. So someone, someone is, 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 is living a life of crime or whatever the case is, and he says, you know, but God still speaks to you. Ah, it's danger. Because by the time the, the wine is fully done, God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. See, the. This is this is part of my own struggles, even as I as I look at scripture and I begin to understand, try to understand certain things. There are certain things that please it's important that because something is working does not make it right with God. <laughs> I was listening to a guy um, Russell, something, he's a musician, he does podcasts, he does YouTube stuff. He's a Christian, he does all kinds of things. He's, he's, a, he's, he's a business guy, he's, he does all this kind of things. So, but he talks Christianity at times, most of the time, really. He has a station that talks about Christianity and just runs commentary on, on his talks about certain things. So there was a guy that called him, and the guy said that, that God appeared to him in a dream, and God ordained him to become an, God said that you know, I have given you as Michael to the world or so that you can destroy somebody that is somebody that was uh, a devilish person that had apparently was that person had it was devil incarnate and they had that dream and that revelation and things like that. And the person went somewhere else and he met somebody, a friend of him where he shared the story with, and there was somebody in that place who had that same person, I can testify to what you're saying. In fact, I had a dream this, 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 and the time was exactly the same on those on those dreams. The time was exactly the same on those dreams. And so the guy was talking to Russell and said, you know, this and this. So I believe that God, God has called me. I believe that this is you know. And the guy said, and also said, okay. Russell said, can you define the gospel for me? He said, ah, the gospel is is that Jesus became our uh, de facto leader, something like that, or something like that, I leader and things like that. And so he came to keep us the gospel, he said, yes, so what is the gospel? Then he began to say, he said, he said, he said, are you doubting that I am not honest? Paul also said, the problem that people have, and I like that, I said, you people take honesty, as truth, it's not the same. You can be honestly wrong. You are genuine you know, in your heart. So the guy said, Are you now saying that I am not an honest person? I don't say the problem is that I'm not. The conversation there is not about honesty, it's about truth. And the guy said, But somebody else had an encounter and confirmed it. But said, it's, it's irrelevant. I was saying, this is the problem. Say people have all this. He said, it's not. He said, because the whole scriptures, the whole testament, the New Testament is hanged on the gospel. And if you don't understand that base of the gospel, then whatever it is I think that God is telling you is wrong. How can you say that? It is scripture. And the man was saying, and just said, bye, Michael. I just got to <laughs> <laughs> yes, I don't know. <laughs> you know. It's as simple as that. See, people can be, see, because you have encounters, encounters has not to do with scriptures. Sorry, it, it can only be validated by scripture. Your encounter cannot override scripture. There's a couple who is married now and the wife had a dream that whatever they want to, you know, they wanted to get married, and the wife had a dream that each time they wanted to come to the altar, each she had the dream regularly, she wanted to come to the altar, the the husband will not be there, or this husband will just abandon her. So she was saying that you know, I will not, you know, she was she wanted to change her mind, so she joined the church then, and she said she spoke to me about it. And you know, naturally, you just think, ah, 
that man is going to be dodgy. But I don't. <laughs> that guy is going to be dodgy. Like that. I said, each time I only had this dream. So we were able to switch the idea and things like that. And we'll say, no, 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 that's our husband. But they prayed about it. They asked other prophets and prophets that said, no, don't mind. That man is going to we will never be able to mind. That guy will disappoint you. But you know what I'm trying to put? What I'm pointing to this is that somebody else who had no story of that issue had the same dream about that marriage. And today, they are happily married. <laughs> See, because you have a encounter, somebody say, mm, yes, I do have, I, I concur with you. <laughs> hey. See, people, I tell people this, people talk to us about unity. People talk about unity. God loves you, God loves unity. Please note that in Babylon, they had unity. So, you know, unity is not you can't be united against God. So, because somebody asks you, ah, you know, we are, we are united in our church. United on what? If it is unity of going to party, you are united. But it's united against God. God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. So, it's, what I'm trying to examine is that because something is right or something is working, doesn't necessarily mean that it is the right standard of God. I'll give you an example. When Jesus was asked about divorce, I was thinking about this also deeply this morning, so I'm not, I'm not teaching on it. But there are so many things that Jesus was not talking about, but people think he was. But let's just, you know, Jesus said that, Jesus said that, ah, Moses. They allowed you to divorce because of the hardness of your heart. Please note what now I'll explain what Jesus to an extent of that leads to what we're talking about. He said, and Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. So that means that on that version, we see that Moses came to a concession. So basically, that was the will of God. But because the heart of these people were already hard, Moses said, don't worry. Just divorce. But make sure you give them certificate. Why was Jesus asked this question? Because people began to use the word of God. Deuteronomy chapter 24. I'll take chapter 24. He said, when a man takes a wife and marries her, and if he finds no favor, he should find no favor in his eyes, because he has found some indecency in her, he can write her a certificate of divorce. On that version, we say that if he doesn't feel, if he doesn't, um, something doesn't indecency, indecency doesn't necessarily mean adultery, because if you know that Jesus came back to the issue of adultery later. So what so people took this, the wife cooks, you don't like it, divorce. That's what was happening. So when they went to Moses, when Moses said, this woman, the way she's walking now, it doesn't make sense. I'm going to divorce her. Moses said, you can't. Say, no, 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 no. The Bible has said, laws has said to us, if, if, so, if you don't, if you don't even favor me, if I just feel like this woman, this soup is becoming sour. Divorce. So that was what was happening. So when they came to Jesus to say, can we, Jesus said, no, no, you can't just be chewing out women like that. Because what was happening was that everybody, you know, somebody can marry 10, as soon as you divorce this, divorce that, divorce this, people were just, those men were just going around and So he said, write her a certificate of divorce. Why did Moses say that she write a certificate of divorce? One, because she will go ahead and be able to marry somebody else. The Bible now says, if you read, if you read one, um, uh, the Bible says that it says that if if and if she goes and becomes another man's wife, the later man, if the later man hates her. Lighter, <laughs> so you know it doesn't 
any kind of strong story, whatever it is. But that was not really what was in the mind of God. But people took this as a license that any woman that does any act, that woman has offended him. So, that divorce. That was what Jesus was dealing with in that time. So, he now went on and he says that, write her a certificate of divorce and, things like, and put it in her hand and send her out of your house. He said, if the later man uh, dies, he who, took, uh, he who took her wife is to be, so who took his wife, is, he who took her to be his wife. Uh, so, if you go later, I don't have dog there. What God now forbids that the first man that now said, you can't cook and taste you out, cannot not go back and say, I want to. No, 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 no. What was God talking about? He was against women being treated as just, you know, digging and telling. So basically, you can't just. You can't just have her when you want. You can't say that I like it now and say go out. Now come back again. Does that make sense? So Jesus now addressed it when Jesus now said, no, it doesn't work that way. That said, it is because of the hardness of your heart. My thinking is that when Jesus now said because of the word, because that is when, to an extent now, to an extent that you know, infidelity is important, but to an extent also what that does is that it puts the balance also on the woman because the woman has now made a conscious decision that I'm working at. In this case, what people were doing, it was only the man that was involved. It didn't matter what the woman did. So when Jesus was addressing it, it was dealing with an issue and also putting a balance. But when people read that part that they think that Jesus is suppressing women, he wasn't. Because it was before men could divorce their wife for any kind of reason. Moses tried to correct it, but Moses could not because their heart was hard. That's what Jesus said. There was no way Moses could get it. Moses just said, okay, you know what? Please just make sure you give us certificates. What does that certificate mean? You cannot change your mind now and say that, uh, you know, I tried everything now and I want to no, it doesn't work that way. Really for the protection of the woman. Does that make sense? I'm not really talking about the verse, but I just kind of use that to say this. Is that look at how many years Moses was before Jesus. And that thing was going on in the churches. And nobody thought it was the wrong thing they were doing. But people were like, as long as I have paper of sanity, because I can see if that woman looks at me anyhow, I divorce her. As long as I have paper to see, that woman is out of my life. But please know that the conversation in all that scripture had nothing to do with women. So it wasn't with women that was an issue. If I was the man that came to Jesus and said, ah, you know, okay, you are now an expert. Because what was happening was that there was a contention in the day of Jesus. So they came to meet Jesus as a teacher of the law. I said, let us see what your opinion is on this case. But what I'm trying to say is that the wrong thing has been done, as people have been doing the wrong thing under the cover of God said this. And they thought that it was right. So Jesus said, no, it doesn't work that way. You just don't use the word of God to serve as a covering for yourself when you are doing what you know is wrong. God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So it is important as we come to one side of this, it's important that what I'm saying is that what frames the heart of a man is what is not the oil that they put wine, it is what frames the heart of the man. 
and the standard of what you classify as truth, on what basis is that standard on? This man that Jesus was dealing with, their foundation of truth was based on what they saw around them. So they did not ever inquire from God and say, excuse me, sir, what do you think about this issue? What do you think about this issue? So when, you know, as we, let's just go to Second Corinthians chapter 2. From verse 3, he says, chapter 3, sorry, chapter 3 from verse 1, just he said, we commend, we commend ourselves again, or do we need, like other people, to write a recommendation letter to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. So Paul was saying that you are our own writing to the world. You are the one, you are our own writing to the world. So verse 3 says, Please note the two things that we go first here. Let's just go to the previous one, please. It says here. No, 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 you're right. Verse 1. Okay, it says that. It says that. Um, it says, You yourselves are our letter written. So you are our letter written to the world. Now let's go on to verse. The next verse is verse 3. He said, you show that you are a letter from Christ as a result of our ministry. So who is writing you? Who is the person writing? You are a letter from God. You are a letter from Paul. Who is the author of the letter? Who, who is writing? I don't know that. That is right. Is that whose, whose letter are you? In this case, Paul was saying, you are our letter. The next verse, he now says that you are the letter of Christ. What is it? What, what does that mean? Is that even though you are being written by Christ, you are coming, to, I, am the, I am the pen, as it's where Paul is talking, I'm the pen that, that God is using to write into your life. Does that make sense? So that means that it says the result of our ministry. It said you are written in him. You are not written in him, but by the spirit of the living God on tablets of stones of human hearts. So Paul is saying that the, the wiring of remodeling of the heart, when 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 it is done by the ministers of God, as it were, it is done by with the hink of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that, that, that changes a particular mind. It's the Holy Spirit that works on a particular mind. Psalm 51 verse 10 says that create in me a clean, a pure heart, O God, and renew your steadfast spirits within me. So, what I'm trying to say is that it is important that every one of us understand wherever God has called you to be, you are, you are in the process of molding hearts, carving out hearts by the help of the Holy Spirit. So that when wine is poured into that container, it doesn't explode. It does not explode. There are so many wines that are poured into containers 
that may settle for now, or it is a time bomb to go. And that's why I said, you know, the focus is that the heart is renewed. But your heart is not an isolation. Your heart is influenced by your environment. That was what happened to Isaiah when Isaiah said, I am a man of unclean lips. Not because I am unclean, but my environment is so dirty that it is, it is, it is impacting what I call right. And the way to that is to do what Isaiah did and turn up before God. I say, God, <laughs> my definition of what is right may be totally wrong in the sight of God. Even as the world is decaying more and more, if you are not careful, your standard of what you think is right will be going down. Because your measure of righteousness is what the world is doing rather than what God is doing. So, you know, like I said, a pastor that is not fornicating, a pastor that is not asking people for money, that is not a confirmation that is a pastor. But that's what people call a pastor. Because the standard has fallen so low that when we see a man that is okay, not asking for money, not fornicating, he says a pastor. Even though <laughs> what he's saying is rubbish. But when that man now stands before God, and he says, ah, I am not funny. No, that man is not fornicating. And God says, yes, you are not expected to fornicate before as a Christian. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. The standard has changed so much that what we are calling approved level, as far as God is concerned, is not. That's what Paul told Timothy. Timothy, you're a leader. He said, be examples to other Christians. Paul did not say Timothy be examples to unbelievers. Why? Because at the level of leadership, you are not to, you are not to be comparing yourself with unbelievers. Say so so that one, that one, that one for the case. Me, I don't. Is that is that a <laughs> that is the issue where we are in? That is the issue where we are in. You know, me, me, you know, me, I don't, I don't, when my, you know, I, I, you know, you cannot see, me, I don't go to parties like the world. That is not a measure when it comes to moving ahead with God. There is a life you are supposed to live. But the problem now is that we have not turned that life as a prerequisite. We call that, let me hand this out, as I come to explain this to you is that when you look at the diet of John the Baptist, that diet was a diet of consecration. Why was it consecration? Because it was legal and permitted by God that the priests will be able to hit anything that is presented to God. And by that rights, John the Baptist was of the priesthood. So he had the legal right anointed by God to eat any kind of food that God had given to. But when he was going to, his consecration was going to come, it was a step ahead. It is not a step backward. I don't know if you know what I'm trying to say. You know, his own consecration was a step ahead. The problem is that, so it wasn't that if the question was not that, uh, so John the Baptist cannot say, in my own office as a consecration for God, I am not eating anything aside from what's given on the altar. And have a priest to say, that's what you're supposed to do anyway. No, but 
that is where the body of Christ has come to, to the point that what we define as holiness, which is good, is not a standard in the sight of God. So when you come to, when you are coming to leadership, the Bible does not expect you to be an example to the world. He expects you to be an example to people who have left the world so that they can aspire to move even further in their journey with God. Somebody was um, asking me about uh, somebody who should send a request in to start a church. Oh, that's it's not here. <laughs> somebody has called me to, to, to start a church. And, you know, even that, well, they've concluded that God is calling them to start a church in March. And this man, his wife struggles to wake him up. He pray. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't do preaching. He doesn't do medicine. It doesn't fast. Whenever somebody was talking to me, I said, what, what is the question? <laughs> <laughs> he knows that he likes teaching people. When we are when 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 the wife is well, at times because of the timing of where they are in the country where they are, you know, when we are called or the wife is calling for certain issues is happening because of prayers and things and things like that. You are praying very early in the morning because that will be their home witness so that we can do fishing. So okay, I thought you call ah that is so and things like that, you know, and you'll be like, Okay, can you please wake him up? He goes, Ah, no, that will be offended. So you know what I'm it is because it is because there is no standard of what we call righteousness. Again, so at times when you see Christians at times boasting about how well they have done in their journey with God, ah, you know, ah, me, I have I have stopped all those kind of things. You know, so since I became a pastor, I stopped I stopped chasing certain girls. You were not supposed to chase certain girls. That is not standard of, you know, and that is what I hope that, you know, that was what Isaiah came before God and discovered that what he thought he was righteous, when he stood before God, he said, woe be unto me, I am moved. What I thought was even righteous because I was dealing with unrighteous people, I did not know that it wasn't righteous before God. And that's why I said that, you know, this brings together about the revelation that was shared with us that she had on, on Friday and things like that is that what you think is righteous is not actually righteous before God. But God can be permitting for it to work like he did about Moses just for you to hopefully one day get to a point where he can face you and say excuse me, you are wrong. You get what I'm saying? So God help us in Jesus. Then just quickly, I don't even have it up here. Uh, Revelation chapter 3. Just from Revelation chapter 3. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, Revelation chapter 3. He said, he said, um, yeah, okay, he says, he said, I know your deeds. You are neither hot or cold. I wish you were either or the other. So, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out from my mouth. See, <laughs> when I read this scripture, one thing that comes to mind: so people think that God is still indecisive. God has made decision. God is not waiting on people to make decision. You might still say, "No," and He said, "I will spit you out." He's made a decision of what He's going to do. So, you now you now see the Bible says He said. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, I do not need anything. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. 
Now, what brought a church to the point where they think it is all okay? Because the measure of what they need is actually missing. The parameters, at times the parameters by which we use for the gospel is, you know, is actually missing. Let's just go on with it. I don't know if I got up to that. Oh, he said, he said, he said, uh, he said, um, I can't tell you to buy from me and things like that. Now, when you go down to that scripture, you would see, you don't have, I don't have it up. You, you see where the Bible says, I am standing at the door. We was talking to this church. So they had everything in, they looked around and they said, we have nothing missing. And Jesus later writes to this church, I am standing at your door. So after they equipped the whole place, they looked around, they came to a conclusion to say, we need nothing. Whereas the only thing they need is outside. I think it's verse 19 or something. I don't have it all, but if anybody's reading it. 20. He, he, he now got to a point and he said, he said, I am standing at the door. The issue that brought that church to the point where they looked around and they said we need nothing is because the parameters of righteousness is different. Yes, Lord. It's because the parameters of righteousness is different. They had wealth. They had everything. But the only thing that they needed was missing. When Christianity cannot be differentiated from social services, it doesn't mean that the church does not give, but that is not the essence of the church. That is not the reason why the church gives. The church does that as an evidence of what they have, but that is not a substitute of, what they, of who they are. See, we are operating, we are coming to a point where we are like Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola is supporting football across the world. Imagine if Coca-Cola is supporting football across the world and say we will not produce Coca-Cola again, we we'll just keep supporting football. Every board of a shareholder will sell their shares. Because that is not, you are not called to come and support football. When you provide Coca-Cola, then you can support football. But supporting football is not your priority. But now that we are coming to an age of, you know, ah, churches do not help anybody. So when you have somebody that is now, they, they, is now a charity, that is giving out, you say, ah, yes, that is a man of God. You know, that's your standard of scriptures. All I'm just challenging you to do this evening, or this, this morning as, as we come, Today is that is that what is your parameters of what is right? Does it have anything to do with scriptures or because you think it is good? And that is what would determine if you see when we are praying about not falling, it is important that we keep praying. But if you are standing on the wrong ground, it is only a matter of time for the wind to come and carry it in. So that's why you need to keep checking, where am I standing? Is this really, stand, am I standing on scriptures? Or am I standing on a path that is formed by my environment? Because things are so bad in the world, so at least I am doing this, and that is okay. May God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. The last scripture I just want to read as we pray. Hebrews chapter 9. Verse 14. It said, How much more then shall the blood of Christ, who through his eternal spirit, offered himself blemish or unblemished to God, cleansing our conscience? 
so that we can, so that so we act, sorry, from the acts that lead to death, so that we can serve the living God. Said, who will purge our consciences? Somebody was give, sent me a, a diagram of one training prophet that was doing something, and they were asking me questions around what do I think about the diagram? It's all about this mystical diagram. I said, they were saying, ah, but there's cross there, but there's Gabriel here, there's Michael there. I said, all this. I said, see, the devil will help you to begin to interpret it one after the other. I said, no, that's not. There is only one question. What is the basis of all of this? If the basis is wrong, no matter how right it looks, it is rubbish. No matter how right it looks, it is rubbish. Tell him that if he doesn't want to train as a prophet in the right way, then tell him to look for the door and go. It's not, it's not, it's not by force. But what I'm trying to say to us is this, is that I hope that you know as we come to the place of prayer, you would you would and that, that is where it is it's just how the prayers went, that you would come to a point where you are asking God constantly, Father, begin as I come before you, as you showed um, um uh, what's it called, as you showed Isaiah who he really is, as you show me, bring me to a point of of of, of purity. And I would just, you know, I, if you just go back to that Isaiah, just scripture us up. He now said that, he said, then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hands, and which he had taken from, with the tongue from the altar, and he touched my lips, and he said, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sins are turned for. And that is where our prayer is going to be. If truly we are just, you know, as we are, you know, that CRS for the Caribbean and CRM for the, you know, it is, I, I explained this to us some time ago, it is, it is a sanctification of yourself so that you can be able to stand before God. So can you be able to stand before God? God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. Let us rise up, please. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. Have a blessed week.